Hello, friends. It's great to be back with you today for another episode of the In Focus podcast, taking a fresh look at the Bible, some big Christian ideas, and how they bring our world into focus, empowering us to live new, more eternal kinds of lives within it. I'm your host, Justin Laughlin, husband, dad, pastor, and most importantly, follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, friends, I am really enjoying this series on the business at hand. I love how clearly and meaningfully Jesus brings into focus the significance of the time in which we're living in Luke chapter 19. I'm humbled and inspired at Jesus' commission for us to not only be, but to make disciples of any and every person with whom God might cross our paths. And today, the business at hand will continue coming into focus as we look to the second account of the King's Commission as recorded for us at the end of the Gospel of Mark. Our key verse comes in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Simple enough. If the business at hand is to proclaim the gospel between now and the king's return, let's bring that gospel into focus so we can get to it. To begin, not every verse in the Bible is the gospel. This is worth noting from the outset because it can be a common practice today for people to quote their favorite verses and then slap a gospel label on them. It's as if people attach the word gospel when what they actually mean is, this is one of my favorite verses, or I think this verse is really important. But that's not actually how the word gospel works in the Bible. The word gospel refers to specific ideas and content. The gospel is a specific announcement or a proclamation. The gospel is not something that the Bible leaves open to interpretation. It's not a matter of opinion or preference. In fact, when we just pay attention to what the Bible is saying, it flat out tells us what the gospel is. Of course, the Bible says a lot of true and important things, and recognizing what the gospel is and what it is not does not diminish the significance of the other things the Bible has to say. That's not the point here at all. But if proclaiming the gospel is the king's commission for us between his ascension and his return, it's obviously important for us to know what the gospel is and what the king intended for us to be announcing. Because that gospel, that proclamation, is the business at hand. A little background information on this topic is also very helpful as we're bringing today's gospeling business at hand into focus. Historically speaking, gospel was a word and a concept that was familiar to the New Testament writers and audiences before the word began to be used by Jesus and the early church. Gospel was a cultural term, not a religious one. A gospel was simply a royal announcement of good news. For example, when the Roman Empire won a major battle, that gospel was announced throughout the empire. When a son was born to the emperor, that gospel was announced throughout the empire. Gospeling wasn't a Christian or Jewish or otherwise religious thing. It was a cultural thing. Gospeling was about making people aware of important, life-impacting events that were significant to the entire kingdom. So when we hear the word gospel as we read the Bible, our brain should automatically be thinking, royal announcement of life-changing good news. We should understand that the gospel is being announced because something has happened. Something historical has taken place of royal significance, 
pertaining to a kingdom, and it's so good and so important that everyone needs to hear about it. That's gospel. And we need to understand that background in order to understand the nature of what Jesus is commissioning us to be doing between his ascension and his return. So now, let's turn to the Bible to understand what the gospel is and to answer this important business-at-hand-related question. What has taken place of kingdom significance that is such good, life-changing news that the whole world needs to hear about it? Here's how we're going to answer that question in the next few minutes. First, we'll examine all of the occurrences of the word gospel in the New Testament. Second, we'll compare what we observe in those occurrences with the four most detailed gospel accounts. And finally, we'll take all that we've learned and compare that with the two times in the New Testament when Paul explicitly says, this is the gospel. First, Gospel is mentioned over 90 times in the New Testament. Many of those instances do not provide any further detail or explanation as to the content of the gospel, but 53 of them do, typically using this formula, the gospel of this or the gospel of that, and it is to these gospel details that we now turn our attention. The most common gospel reference is to Jesus himself. In fact, there are 23 different references to the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of Christ, or the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are eight slightly more detailed gospel references, noting in particular the death and or resurrection of Jesus Christ. Eight more references made by Jesus himself refer specifically to the gospel of the kingdom. Then there are five references to the gospel of God. And finally, two references each to the gospel of the glory of God and Jesus, the gospel of salvation, and to the gospel of the grace of God. There are also three occurrences of the word gospel referring to specific developments in the larger biblical narrative that have taken place because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In particular, the accomplishment of Abraham's blessing to the nations promised all the way back in Genesis 12, God's reconciling of the whole world to himself through Jesus Christ, and God's eternal purposes being realized in Jesus Christ. So, from this list of New Testament gospel references, we can be sure of this. The gospel is an announcement of what God has done in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ, and these events are really good news for the people of the whole world concerning the kingdom of God. Now, to the four most detailed gospel accounts. These four accounts are the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Luke, and the gospel of John. Not surprisingly, and perfectly consistent with all that we have just observed, each gospel is a detailed account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Each bears witness to Jesus as the Christ, telling the full story of how Jesus became the Savior and King of the whole world. Each describes what God has done in and through Jesus as the culmination of what has taken place throughout the entire biblical narrative from Genesis through Jesus' resurrection, and each has an eye toward Jesus' return and the restoration and renewal of the whole creation according to God's original design. So, from the most succinct gospel references to the most detailed accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the content of the gospel remains the same. 
The only thing that varies from one gospel account to another is the amount and or specifics of the details included from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But the core gospel message is that Jesus has come, he died on a cross, and he was resurrected, and that through those events, Jesus has become the Christ, the Savior, the Redeemer, and the King of the whole world. This is the gospel. This, no doubt, explains the numerous occurrences throughout the New Testament of what we can now see as the most clear and concise gospel proclamation, Jesus Christ is Lord. Finally, let's compare all that we have observed so far with both of Paul's explicit descriptions of the gospel he has been announcing. The first is a personal reminder to his protege, Timothy, and the second, even more helpful reminder, to the church in Corinth. First, Paul's second letter to Timothy in chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus the Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. So what is Paul's gospel? What are the good news events that have taken place that Paul is announcing everywhere he goes? Jesus the Christ has come. He rose from the dead. He is the long-anticipated Savior King whom God promised would come through the lineage of King David all the way back in the Old Testament. And then again from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4, through 4, Let me remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and the twelve and to more than five hundred people after that. Again, Paul's gospel is the proclamation of specific events that have taken place in the flow of the larger biblical narrative that are really good news that everyone needs to hear about. Jesus came, he died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, he was buried and raised on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures, and he appeared to a bunch of people who can validate the legitimacy of all that has transpired. Biblically speaking, the gospel could not be more clear. With more or less detail, from the most concise phrase of Jesus Christ as Lord to the longest account in the Gospel of Luke, the gospel is simply the announcement of what has taken place in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, who is the Christ, the Savior, and the King. This is the gospel in focus. The announcement and proclamation of these events, this good news, is the business at hand. This final gospel description in 1 Corinthians 15 also provides tremendous benefit in not only bringing the gospel into focus, but also how we can practice gospeling. As a people commissioned to proclaim the gospel to everyone everywhere, it could be challenging to convey as detailed accounts as we find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But it also might not be enough to simply say, Jesus Christ is Lord, to a person who has no idea what any of those words mean or how they could possibly constitute life-changing good news for an individual, let alone for the whole world. This challenge is not new to us. It's been the same for all churches for all time. So it's no surprise that Paul, perhaps the greatest missionary of all time, helps us out. Notice how Paul lays out the gospel to the struggling, fledgling church in Corinth. 
You guys already know the gospel. Remember in particular these details that are of first importance. In other words, these details are the gospel essentials. First, Jesus died for our sins according to God's story that has been unfolding since the very beginning. He was buried. In other words, he was dead dead. Then Jesus was resurrected from the dead on the third day, also according to God's story that has been unfolding since the very beginning. He appeared to a bunch of people following his resurrection. In other words, he was really alive again. And in all of this, Jesus was revealed as the Christ, the Savior King long foretold in the Old Testament scriptures. These details, the great gospel-sharing missionary reminds us, are the gospel essentials. So when we're engaged in the business at hand on behalf of the king between his ascension and his return, these are the essential details that we always want to include in our gospeling. Beyond the gospeling essentials, Paul's gospeling chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 also provides two more crucial bits of wisdom worth noting before we wrap up. In addition to clarifying the gospel essentials, Paul also models the importance of the gospel context, the larger biblical narrative within which the gospel has taken place, the narrative which magnifies the meaning and significance of the gospel. So back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see that because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, all followers of Jesus will one day be resurrected. We see that God's reign over the whole creation, exactly according to God's original design, will come about just as God always intended. We see that for followers of Jesus, mortality will one day give way to immortality, because the day is coming when Jesus' victory over the final enemy, death itself, will come to fruition. And finally, we see, as Paul reminds us, that the gospel, within the context of God's larger story, gives meaning and significance to our lives in the meantime as we go about the king's business. All of this constitutes Paul's gospeling to the Corinthians. It's both the essentials and the context. And then finally, Paul's last piece of gospeling wisdom in all this is that he doesn't just present the gospel as an arbitrary, distant truth. He makes the gospel story very personal. Just as Jesus did for the disciples in Luke 19, Paul places both himself and his audience within the story. In other words, Jesus' story is God's larger story, and that story is our story. That's why the gospel is such good news, and that's why every person needs to be told what has happened and why it matters. Nothing could be better or more important. So there's the king's business at hand for us according to the gospel of Mark. As with discipling, there are some simple yet tremendous tools available by which we can not only share the gospel ourselves, but also quickly and efficiently train others to do the same. If you'd like to go over those tools and practice them together, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to get them into your hands and thereby into the hands of those God will give you to raise up as gospel-sharing disciple-makers. That's it for now. Thanks for checking out today's episode. I hope that it has helped bring your world and the King's business at hand into a little better focus, empowering you to live a more eternal kind of life here and now between the King's ascension and his return. 
If you're streaming today's episode from a podcast provider, it'd be great if you take a second to give it a good review and to become a subscriber. Your engagement makes it easier for new listeners to find the show in the future. If you'd like, you can also share this episode directly with your friends on social media. A link is provided in the show notes to do just that. Until next time, as we continue the series on the business at hand between the King's Ascension and his return, thanks again for being a friend of the show and for tuning in to In Focus. May your world continue coming into clearer focus and may God lead you into an increasingly eternal kind of life before him.